Hey everybody, Jimmy Smith. On today's Unlocking the Cage podcast, I discuss Dana White softening on the Paul brothers, who they could fight if they were allowed into the UFC. Also, I answer your questions from the midweek mailbag. If you want a chance to have your question answered, email it to utcmailbag at gmail.com. The Paul brothers. Logan Paul, who I'm currently dealing with in the WWE, is going to be tag-teaming with The Miz at WrestleMania. His brother, Jake Paul, both of them kind of in the fringe boxing world is the best way to put it. Of course, um, knockout over a shot, Tyron Woodley, the last time out. So, anyway, Dana White was on Logan Paul's Impulsive, is the name of his podcast, all right, so before we even get into this, who has heard Impulsive before? Anybody? Anybody listen to Impulsive? Anybody? Just just me or? I wouldn't say I'd listen to it, but I think times come up where we've like used you've heard clips, clips of it. it or something. Yeah, yeah. All right, can't imagine what he talks about on on Impulsive. But anyway, you got Dana White on Impulsive, and remember, it's Jake. Paul, I know it's easy to mix them up. It's Jake Paul who's been much more critical of Dana White. It's it's Jake Paul who's been much more fighter pay and all this stuff and all the lip so and so. It's been much more Jake. Logan is the more likable of the two, I guess, is, is a good way to put it. So I want to clear that up right away. So this is Dana White on Jake Paul calling out Conor McGregor to fight in the UFC. This is what he had to say. Well, he shouldn't even be fighting Conor McGregor. These guys are fucking huge. He's huge. His brother's huge. I mean, what, what's your brother? 6'1"? Yeah. 210? Yeah. Conor McGregor's 145, 155 pounds. Oh, he fights that low. There's weight classes for a reason. I love how Logan Paul's, oh, he fights that low? Really? Number one, yes, he fights that low. Number two, he walks around pretty big. I, like, I know Logan Paul, which is weird because Logan Paul was fifth in state in Ohio. Which is a tough wrestling state. You can really wrestle take fifth in state there. KOB, back me up on that one. Ohio's a tough wrestling state. He took fifth. The guy can wrestle, but he knows about weight cutting, which is kind of surprising. He's like, Fights that low? Yeah, he does. That means he walks around 185-ish. He's not that small, if you've ever met him. You know what I'm talking about, KOB? You get what I'm saying? Yeah, well, here's the thing. Seems surprising a bit to Logan Paul. Fifth in a tough wrestling state, but still, it's high school. Like, Yes, yes. Cool. But I know my point is he's cut who... weight. He knows about weight cutting. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm saying. Okay, yeah, yes. Sure. He was never a D1 guy. He never, you know, in the Olympic trials. Okay, cool. Anyway, but my point is um, the idea that, oh, he's a lot smaller. Yeah, he's smaller for sure than the Paul brothers. He's not that small. He gets down to 155. Can't make 45 anymore. I don't think that's even a possibility for him. But listen to the way it was communicate play it one more time could be i want to i want you to really listen fans to the way it was communicated go ahead well he shouldn't even be fighting conor mcgregor these guys are fucking huge he's huge his brother's huge i mean what, what's your brother six one yeah 210 yeah conor mcgregor's 145 155 pounds oh he fights that low there's weight classes for a reason it wasn't this goof and this blah 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 never happened dumb shit that needs to get off the the way he has been dismissive of Jake Paul, of course he's on Logan Paul's podcast, so that might have something to do with it, but we didn't hear that. When someone talks about practicalities, 
more than they talk about how outlandish something is, it's a possibility. Keep that in mind. When someone talks about because practicalities can be overcome. Something just being, um, you know, out of hand dismissed is different. That's different. And he was talking about practicalities. He's too big for this guy. Not, I'll never see that clown in the UFC ever. That's a different kind of take on it. So, of course, Jake Paul, not going to take that lying down. This is from his official Twitter. Dana White is begging for Diaz and Connor to fight for a third time. They have fought at 170 pounds in both of their fights. I will fight Connor at 175 pounds. No problem. Stop making excuses, pussies. That's what he says. I get that. If he could make 175, I don't, I don't, did he fight um, Tyron Woodley at 175? I don't remember what the weight class was. Somewhere around say, there. I want to say it was 190. Yeah, it was bigger. It was bigger. Let's say, he, let's pretend he could make 175. Uh, yeah. So, we'll deal later with whether or not this is real. Whether or not the publicists really want this. But the question right now from what we're say, seeing is, is Dana White warming up? To the Paul brothers being in the UFC. I want your opinions on that. 877-FIGHT-93. 877-344-4893. So Dana White says the Paul brothers, both of them, Jake, too big for Conor McGregor. Uh, Jake Paul responds via Twitter. I can make 175. He's fought at 170. What's the problem? Understandable. But it wasn't laughed out, you know, just laughed out of the room. That didn't happen from Dana either. I want to keep that in mind. Wasn't laughed out of the room. So this is what he had to say on Logan Paul in the UFC. Like, like if I wanted to do a UFC fight, is that something you'd entertain? Who would you want to fight? I don't know. You, you have wrestling and boxing. I could get it done. Do you ever do jujitsu? Of course. Yeah. yeah. I could get it done, Dana. I'm not saying no. Dana, sign me. I'm not saying no. <laughs> Dana, sign me. Dana, sign me now. I'm not saying no. He's not saying no. Now, remember, as KOB just pointed out, sure, fifth in state in high school. Ohio's a tough wrestling state. That ain't bad. There are guys out there that out-wrestle him with one hand who aren't known as great wrestlers. I've done boxing. Sure. Do you see the footage of him sparring with Paulo Costa that one time? And Paulo Costa just leveled his ass? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, like that. Okay. Okay. Dana's not saying no because it generates a lot of money. He's not saying yes because – no, he's not saying yes either. But he's not, he's not not saying no because of Logan Paul or Jake Paul's ability to be successful. That is not important. Not important. So that's kind of the thing to me is you have to keep this in mind is that they're saying, yeah, it'll make money. So maybe I'd have you in there. You want it when? Unless they threw you a softball. They threw comparatively, especially the second time, a softball at CM Punk and he got murked. I called his fight with Mike Jackson. Mike Jackson kicked his ass all over the octagon. Could have finished him multiple times and kind of decided not to. Mike Jackson is a C or B level guy at best in the UFC. He is not very good and destroyed CM Punk. So 
I can't imagine anything different happening to Logan Paul or Jake Paul for that matter. It's just I'm not knocking those guys. It's a tough sport, and they're getting into it very, very late. And da 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 da. So the same thing will happen to Jake and Logan Paul, or and or either one of them, if they fight the UFC. Same thing will happen. They will get smoked. It just is what it is. I was fifth in state in wrestling. Right. Good deal. Great. Not saying that isn't a great accomplishment. Ohio, a very tough wrestling state. There are D1 guys out there that have three, four state titles, took medals at Fargo, uh, All-American national champions, and a whoop your ass. Easily. I've done some jujitsu. There are world champs out there. Smoke you, dude. I'm a boxer. No, you're not a boxer. Not against actual real boxers, okay? N- n- not to mention Muay Thai, kickboxing, all stuff you got to deal with. Get killed. They're going to get creamed. Okay, they're going to get creamed. So that brings up some interesting points. The first one I want to tackle is what would be the possible sticking points from this? What would hold this fight up? One thing that has been a shift, and it might explain Dana White's shift on this issue over the last year. Jake Paul has actually gotten some traction by uh, claiming he's out supporting fighter pay and taking on Dana White and going after him, saying he's fighting for fighters' rights. He is taking a stand as a boxer himself. He's taking a stand for people in combat sports, etc., etc., etc. And that's gotten him some support in the fight community. Support I didn't think he was going to have. People are kind of like, okay, cool. Well, if he's doing that, all right. We'll put up with his idiotic pretending to be a professional boxer without fighting any professional boxers, right? This whole pantomime thing he's doing. We'll put up with that if it's giving a platform to people or for him to complain about fighter pay. We'll take the... Bad in order to get the good. We'll do that. So Dana White, in actually letting this guy fight in the UFC, prov- so so let me back up a little bit. One of the hangups could be, as he said before, oh, I'll fight if you know if I win, you'll give the fighters health care, or if I win, you'll allow a fighters union, or whatever. Any of the any of the the caveats to his performance. That means something for the wider um, roster. That Dana White will never, ever agree to that. That I'll fight or I'll, if I win, you will somehow make a bad business decision. He's not going to do that. No one fighter, be it Jake Paul or Logan Paul or any Paul, anybody, is worth his whole roster getting a bonus or a, a pay increase or whatever. He's not going to do that. So that would be a hang-up. On the other side, the flip side of this coin, if I am Jake Paul, the one thing that has gotten me some cred over the last year is my struggle for uh, fighter pay equality, trying to get everybody paid. He gives that up if he goes to the UFC. He will get paid a lot. His opponent probably will not. It will not be good. So the hypocrisy of I'm all about fighter pay unless I actually get to the promotion itself 
and then I'll take what the UFC gives me and F everybody else. You're making the same deal with the devil that every fighter on the UFC roster makes, which is I'm in it for me. I don't care when anybody else gets paid. Is he willing to shed all pretense of I'm out to help the fighters once he actually signs with the UFC, even if it's a one-fight deal? Because he'll take what they give him, he will suddenly stop complaining, and he won't be advocating for his opponent to get paid anymore. None of these things. Is that worth it for the Jake Paul brand? So there's one you know, trip up on the Dana White side, why Dana White wouldn't want it to happen, which is Jake Paul demands some kind of wider concessions for the rest of the roster. That would stop it. The second thing that would stop it is um, is Jake Paul himself not wanting to hurt his own brand by taking whatever the UFC offers him for the fight and, and, and stopping his quote-unquote crusade for fighters' rights. KOB, is there a flaw in anything I just said about those two hiccups here? I don't think there's a flaw. No, Jimmy Smith. What, do you, what hiccup do you think is more likely? Do you think it's more likely that Jake Paul screws things up by saying, oh, fine, I'll fight, but I want you know insurance for all the fighters or something like that? Or may, that he I, decides, no, this isn't good for my brand because I kind of have a niche here. It, it would depend on the opponent. Like, I think he'd risk the niche for Conor McGregor, but I just don't think it's smart. And here's the deal. Like, you had mentioned, like, oh, you know, for, like, if Logan or Kane, like, maybe a Santiago Ponza. He's not fighting Santiago Ponza, Nibio. That's not going to happen. If kills you're bringing Jake, not, not even kills him. Not, not even for that kills. reason. It's just not on a big enough name who's also going to kill him. If he's going to get killed, it's going to be a Conor. It's going to be a Jorge Masvidal, who's still lighter, probably, than Masvidal Jake makes is. more sense. Um, it's going to be a bigger name guy that, that you would think around about the weight class that he could be. So if you think he can cut to 75, that's a little bit more Jorge Masvidal, a Kamaru Usman. I think Usman would jump at the chance to do oh it, especially if God, he continues Usman. to run the... If he oh. runs the division still, and is he, he's already trying to like bank on a, <laughs> on a Canelo Alvarez fight that ain't happening, and what he'll no. get absolutely crushed in. Give him Jake Paul and Jake Paul's first UFC fight. I think Kamaru Usman jumps at that. He's like, yes, let me wreck this dude and make a ton of money at the same time. I, I think those are the people you're looking at, and that's that's the reality. Is he's going to face a top tier guy? He's not going to get a Mickey Gall. He's not going to get. He's not going to get a Jackson. It's not going to happen. Like he's going to fight a top tier guy with a big name because why else would you bring him in to do this? But they brought in CM Punk and didn't do that. That would be my caveat. Is they didn't have Here, CM Punk. Here's the deal: Logan Paul might get a closer to something normal matchup. Jake Paul is fighting someone with a name, and he's going to get smashed. Like they, if you think for one second with everything he's ever said about Data White. That he's not getting a top tier guy who's just going to absolutely crush him, you're crazy, Logan. But Paul it doesn't a take look- a top a top tier guy to crush him. Yeah, but again, you're bringing yeah. Jake Paul in. You're going to want one of your guys to do it. He's already beaten two former two former MMA champions and Ben Askren and and Tyron Woodley in boxing. He's getting smashed by someone with a name like that's that's absolutely going to happen. That is Dana spite written all over it. He's going to fight somebody, Logan Paul. Might get a nicer matchup. Just, you know, maybe someone who's further out of top 15. Maybe maybe some, maybe some new rookie they just brought in. Because Logan, because Jake Paul, I'm sorry, Logan Paul has not been nearly to, as mean to Dana as uh, Jake has. But here's my question is, what's worse? 
getting smashed by Kamara Usman, who is the greatest welterweight of his generation. You could argue the greatest welterweight of all time. Or getting smashed by a dude that is a mid-level guy who doesn't have the reputation, doesn't have the name. If I'm Dana White, I'm almost like, dude, I'm I'm throwing a a comparative scrub at you, and that's how low you are. I'm not going to give you a big fight against a big dude because that acknowledges that you're somehow important. Listen, that's what I'm curious about. about. If you're talking about a fight night, I agree with you. But let's look at the likelihood. If the Paul brothers come over, and let's say Dana's like, all right, cool, give them a fight. They're fighting on pay-per-view. But so did CM Punk, and he got Mickey Gall. Again, CM Punk not as disrespectful. Like, CM Punk, I, and I always argue about the purist side of this, of like, oh, no, the Pauls should never be a part. Like, do I think ethically they should be a part? No, because they're not actual MMA fighters. But I, back when CM Punk was coming through, my stance was, look, like it or love it, the guy has a name. He's got a big following from, from pro wrestling. People were going to come in and watch him. I was seeing the training footage and going, oh, he's going to get murked. This is yes. Gonna be bad. Oh, my God. Immediately. I was like, you're going to uh, get killed. And I was praying. I'm like, maybe this is hopefully from three years ago when he first started. If this is from recently, then, oh, my God, he's going to get killed in, in the cage. Because you could just look at someone hit pads and know, like, uh-oh. Like, can't even hit pads well. Like, this is a, this is a problem. Anyone can look good at hitting pads. They brought him in, and he was a bit more respectful. So I think they tried to give him a fair, the fairest matchups they could with CM Punk. I think it'll be more like, if the Pauls come over, it's going to be more like James Tony. It's going to be, oh, James Tony, you want to come over in the UFC? Fine, you're fighting Randy Couture. Like, you, you, we're going to give you that as your first fight in. I think it'll be the same thing with the Paul brothers. Uh, Jake more so than Logan. All right, we'll see. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Billy Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius X. Channel 156. UTC mailbag at gmail.com to get your questions. And he picks out the gems. He sorts through them to find the best ones. And he gets to ask them uh, in basically any voice he wants, which is his favorite thing in the world to do. KB, I'm sorry to speak for you, but it's true. Uh, what do you got for me first? Answer my question! First one up, this comes from Nick in New Jersey, who says, Hey, Jimmy, considering it's 316 day. Are there any current wrestlers in the WWE you think could reach the heights that Stone Cold did? If not, is there anyone maybe who's on the path or on the cusp of doing so? Interesting. Interesting. Because uh, are we going not Roman Reigns and Brock? Because you'd argue they are crossover huge. Uh, I would say Brock you could maybe use those. Roman Reigns. Yeah, Brock and Roman Reigns, for sure. They could get that, that level. You could argue they are now. And, and Roman Reigns has a little of that, I don't answer to anybody, head of the table, I'm number one, that cockiness. It's a different kind of cockiness. It's not as, a, it's, it's not a, a, as much of a common man kind of cockiness. But it's a, I'm better than you and I know it. I'm better than everybody out here. Come get some. I have no fear of anyone. He has that. And that's a great thing to have. He is absolutely fantastic. Who on the way up could or attitude-wise – and also, because he's one of my favorite people uh, behind the scenes, period. 
Randy Orton had kind of a similar vibe, yeah? KOB to to to, to Stone Cold. Would you put him in that class? I wouldn't say he's as crossover big, but he's he's big. He's big. He's not as crossover big. But like he's been around for so long that so many WrestleManias have the whole legend killer yes. angle. Yeah. He's out there. I just it's funny. When I think of Stone Cold, it's like that next generational. You say it to someone on the street, they know exactly who you're talking about. Right. Because that's how walk, it is because Stone Cold sets. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, like, you could literally walk up to someone and be like, and that's the bottom line, and just wait, and they'll probably know because Stone Cold said so. Like, Cause they Stone just Cold know that. So, right. um, it's funny. I almost feel like maybe some of the women on that side are closer. Like, Becky Lynch feels like a yeah. better crossover star. Yeah, Charlotte Flair. Rousey to a degree, but I feel like Rousey's success was more MMA related, and then she's brought it over and kind of carried over to WWE. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of anybody else on that side who's like that big or even on their way. It's tough. But one of the things about the WWE, and I mentioned this yesterday, in that success in the WWE is more mercurial, meaning it's hard to kind of like get your get a, get a grasp of. It's hard to figure out than success in combat sports, which I said is win and win in dramatic fashion. If you do that long enough. You'll be successful. You might not be Conor McGregor successful, but you're going to do very, very well. KOB, listen to me and let me know if you think I'm wrong here. The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, John Cena, The Undertaker. Anybody before that, yes, there was some crossover with Shawn Michaels. He started a lot early. He started when I was still a fan uh, back in the 80s. Are those names kind of on their own level of stardom? Are they like, I mean, think about how rare that is. The Hulk Hogan's of the world. Now, Hulk Hogan's a different era, but all those guys were of the same era, roughly. And are are they kind of on their own level of stardom? That's what I'm curious about. Yes and no. Like, with the people you mentioned, I always felt like they had that foil in each other. So, like, during the time of Hulk Hogan, it was like Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, and then the Ultimate Warrior coming around but like they had Randy that Savage. Hulk. Yeah. yeah they had they had those those names that helped them cross over a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and they all kind of had each other like so yeah. you know you could have you could have that rivalry between Warrior and Savage you could have that rivalry between Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior like all, all those things and, and Hogan and Savage even moving on to the, the Shawn Michaels era he had Bret Hart like so you had yes. that that pro this consummate worker in Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, the up-and-coming guy. So they, they could kind of work with each other and build. The Rock and Stone Cold were the same way. Like right. you, could just look at, you could just look at The Rock and be like, all right, guy's going to be massive. Like you, you, you knew early on as he was starting to get his, as he started his push, like this guy's going to be a thing. And him and Stone Cold rode it till the wheels come off. And Stone Cold was just one of those times. Each one of these guys all helped push pro wrestling – a little bit more mainstream. And with Stone Cold and the Attitude Era and Generation X, all of that, they're the ones who really pushed it into, like, it was, It felt like pro wrestling was everywhere during that ten, that, that tenure Huge. of the 90s. Like, yes. everyone knew DX. Everyone knew Stone Cold. I, I feel like it's gotten to such a place of kind of acceptance of, like, sports entertainment and stuff like right. that. And then WWE especially kind of went back to a little bit more of a family-friendly environment that I think it's kind of hard to push it any further than it's gone at this point. Like, it's... WrestleMania is a two-day event now. Like, how much bigger can you make it? Oh, trust so, me, I know. I might be out that whole week, by the way. Yeah. So it's just a crazy, crazy thing right now that when you look at it, it's like, I, I don't know. Like, it's reached such a height that it's like, I don't know. Who's that person who takes it to the next level? What is the next level even, really, for, for pro wrestling? Like, that's I think that's the question. So that's, that's where you hit that weird spot. Yeah. And it's how does someone get there? It's this formula that you really can't r- – 
replicate. I, I, you know, it's, it's almost like I don't know how to do it. I can teach you how to win a fight. I can teach you as a coach to be a great fighter or a great boxer. I can't teach you how to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. You can't bottle that. You can't. I don't know. But you even know? when you look at like these guys becoming successful actors too, it's no surprise to me. Like it never was. Like John Cena, great on the mic. Stone Cold, great on the mic. The Rock, great on the mic. But I see these guys having translated success to, to to the big screen. It's like, yeah, dude, they were acting and like in a zone no matter what. Just give them the lines and they'll probably knock it out of the park. I'm not surprised these guys are doing well and that they're crossover actors now too. Because yeah. they were so good at playing a persona for years. Yes. But when you ask me who could make it now, it's hard to find like it's just it's just it's it's just formula that's hard to replicate. So I don't know. It's like another Coca Cola. I, I don't know if we'll ever see another Coca Cola. That's the hard thing to, to, to deal with. And Kelly Kell, I know when you say acknowledge me, you're talking about Roman Reigns and how much you like him. Is that not strong enough a word? Yeah, he's great. Great, great wrestler, great on the mic, great to look at. He has my full attention. Full attention every time man. he talks, right? You you acknowledge him, do you not? The Usos not as much. You got you got acknowledge. You like the Usos too, right? Yeah, they're great guys. I'm they're sure. Awesome. By the by the way, they are great guys. By the way, and they're huge, and they're small when they stand next to Roman Reigns. It's really interesting. So, um, next, Kobe. Message. Uh, next up, this comes from Rodney from Jersey. It says, "Hey Jimmy, besides Tony and Habib." What are some other fights that were booked but never happened that you really that you were really looking forward to see? Some of mine are Kane Velasquez, Shane Corwin, John Jones versus no. Anthony Johnson, and Shamaya versus Leon Edwards. Curious to hear some of yours in the cruise. Yeah, yeah, those, those, those are definitely ones that that missed the boat that were that were supposed to happen and never did. Um, I'm even thinking. Wait, hey, I'm gonna get old school with you guys. No one will know this but me. Rumina Sato was a Japanese legend in Shuto uh, in Japan. Great fighter. He was supposed to fight against um, uh, Jens Pulver. When Jens Pulver was, was champ at 155, he got beat in Japan by Kal Uno, and they put in Kal Uno instead. But Rumina Sato had this style that was absolutely incredible. That fight never happened. That was one of those that got away that always bothered me. Um, it was never booked, but... Kind of to old school fans, the one that got away that never happened was Hickson Gracie versus Kazushi Sakuraba. Back when Sakuraba was submitting everybody, Hickson was the best, and he was supposed to defend the Gracie name. We all expected this fight to happen, and it didn't. That's a huge one that got away. I was really bummed about Tony Ferguson, Dustin Poirier. Does everybody forget that that was booked? That was supposed to happen. He wanted too much money, and that one got away from him. That's one in the modern era that I thought would have been awesome and it just didn't happen and really pissed me off. What are yours, KB? What are some for you? Yeah, it's hard. You know, it's so funny. In the earlier days of like the boom era in the 2000s, we kind of got a lot of the fights we wanted. For a we while, did. it was. We did. It was yeah. That people yeah. were in different promotions, but then the UFC started buying up those other promotions. So we got like a Dan Henderson versus uh, Rampage. We got Dan Henderson versus Anderson Silva. Like we started to get these fights because we, uh, the UFC just started acquiring all these other promotions. Um, as I've said many times, we talked about. I think it was last week too. RDA Connor to me is the ultimate what if fight, just because of the ramifications, yep. everything, the reverberations of what could have happened and what actually did. Um, it was never really booked, but I know the UFC was trying. Fedor versus really any of the UFC heavyweight champions. It was Brock at the great. time, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Was the that would have been fun? Yeah. I, I would have I would have sided Fedor on that one, but that would have been great. 
Um, Krokop for the title. Remember, he never made it to the title. Supposed to be, you know, Gonzaga. He was supposed to beat Gonzaga. And then Gonzaga beat him. And we never got Krokop for the title. Now, that's his fault. It wasn't a booking thing. He lost the fight he was supposed to win. But that was big. That was a big one that never happened. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's really anything. I kind of feel like I got, I mean, I even got Robbie Lawler versus Nick Diaz too well well after the expiration date on that one, so I can't really complain too much. That was the one I wanted a lot sooner than it had happened. Um, um, uh, what, what uh, I'm trying to remember now. It was, um, I, one, one, they were in the same organization for a while, but Pride didn't seem interested, so it never happened. Uh, Vitor Belbert, Vandalay Silva too. Never remember Vitor blew him out of the water. UFC Brazil, Ultimate Brazil, that never happened. So that pissed me off, and they never got that rematch. Also, say once again, I'm going to go old school here. Frank Shamrock Kazushi Sakuraba. He left the UFC, thought he'd go to Japan to make money. That never happened. I talked to him about that one time, and he said they wanted all these insane stipulations in the contract and all this weird stuff that never happened. But we never got um, Frank Shamrock versus uh, Sakuraba. We also never got Frank Shamrock Vitor Belfort. Because he was supposed to be next in line. That never happened. So those are some we missed out on that bugged me. Kelly Kell, any on your list from your fandom? No. She's like, no. I got all the ones I want. I'm from an era where we get the ones we want. All right. That's cool. No problem. Go ahead, KLB. Next. Mail, motherfucker. All right. This comes from Keith who says, hey, Jimmy. Jimmy, you had mentioned how fighters struggle after they lose after they lost a title shot to John Jones. I think it all comes down to pressure from expectations. We have all seen that football, basketball, hockey team that has had a horrible year. Then their last game of the year, when it doesn't matter, all of a sudden they end on the, the year on a winning streak. Fans get excited. They think, wow, they f- they'll figure it out next year. It's going to be amazing. And the season starts with the high expectations, and they lose and are still a crap team. I think it's the pressure from expectations. The easiest game to play is when you have no expectations. If you lose, it doesn't really matter. And people expected it, so no pressure. Fighting Jones, no one thought they would win. And they did very good against Jones. Some people thought they beat Jones. Now their next fight is expecting them to win, and they have way more expectations and pressure to win, and it just overwhelms them. What say you on those thoughts, Jimmy? Possibly. I mean, we could sit here all day and discuss, you know, the psychology of losing at the ultimate level, but what it does, really. And we see it in seasons, the, the Super Bowl hangover, right? You lose the Super Bowl, your next season is usually crap. I mean, almost every single time. I think you start questioning, not only is it a long road back to the title, right? So you fought three or four guys that were ass kickers. You end up fighting the champion, you lose, and you're staring up at this mountain again. Going, oh, man, do I really want to do this? I did this once. I am not the age I was when I did it. Do I really want to do this again? And I think that not just the fight itself or the loss or all these things, it's I got to climb this mountain again. And I think something happens to you. If you are the, it may not affect the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals because they're a young team and a lot of energy. And all. They weren't supposed to get as far, as far as they did, but you get to the Super Bowl, you lose. And then the season starts and you go, like we got all the way through a now 17 game season then we did the playoffs. Then we, And do you see the four falls of Buffalo on ESPN, the, the 30 for 30? All right, Javon did, uh, KLB did. Did you see it, Kel? They talk about that last Super Bowl. They said, we were tired. 
we were t- I mean, think about the number of games we had to play. It was what, you know, three and you know, twenty games every freaking season. And in that last Super Bowl where they were ahead at halftime, they just physically wore out. And I think that's a part of it. Is it being at the bottom of a mountain and going, God, I gotta climb this effing thing again? Is harder because you've done it before. And I think that's a big part of it that is underrated. When you fight, and I don't think it's just John Jones, by the way. I've made this statement about when you lose a title fight, you generally don't win your next one because it's part of that, oh, God, i got to do this again, and I don't have the energy I had before because I've already been there. Next. You've got mail. All right, this comes from Kirk in Wilmington who says, What's hey, up, Hollywood, K-Crew, and Javon? Uh, hope huh? Well. Javon's getting some love, bro. Uh, he says, I know they would be different, but does the UFC have a production meeting like they do in the WWE? If so, what are the biggest differences between the two? If the UFC does not have one, how long is a typical WWE production meeting? I would think very long for a three-hour show. Yes, uh, you are correct. <laughs> one of the differences between the WWE and the UFC is the production meetings are much longer. Um, uh, there are production meetings in Bellator. There are production meetings in the UFC. We have them for ESPN. Um, the difference is... Every part of the show is all together. And with the WWE, how the match goes, and here's what's going to happen, and blah, 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 and you know, what are we thinking about this person or this person or that person? In a UFC production meeting, number one, they don't control who wins and loses. So, that, so the way a, a format or rundown or whatever you want to call it for the UFC works is this graphic, this commercial, this video piece, this, and then it says match. And then it says round one, round two, round three. And then it says, you know, this graphic. That. So the, the actual match itself has nothing in it. It's blank. Why? We don't know what's going to happen. So the production meeting is around the matches. So this, you know, graphic and this logo and this thing, all right, now we're going to have this video package. That is all listed, in, you know, one at a time. But under the match itself, it says it's blank. The... The production meeting for the, the WWE is all about the matches, obviously. When in the UFC, we don't know. We have no idea how long it's going to last. We have no clue, okay? So the, and every, so the WWE is flipped over. It's everything's about the matches. And then whatever graphics or packages or whatever we throw to, that's all an afterthought. Or that's all, you find all that stuff out later, which is very difficult as a play-by-play guy to deal with, but it's true. Um, in, the, in the UFC, it's... Graphics and commercials and this and that. And then two guys fight one another. Okay, now we're done with that. This happens, and then two guys fight one another. It's blank. And the WWE, that's the fill-in part. So there are longer meetings, and what they emphasize, what they're talking about, is literally the opposite of one another. And they speak their own language. They speak kayfabe and all this stuff. So you got to know what's going on. My first production meeting, I was like, what are they talking about? You had to learn all these new terms and all this stuff, and you catch up. But it's true. Uh, next, answer my question. All right, this is, we got a two for here from Giver Saint, so we'll end here. Giver Saint. Uh, yep, our, our friend of the friend of the show, Giver friend Saint. Of the show, Giver Saint. I don't entirely. Maybe you'll know what he means here. Uh, he says, "I just got in an argument online about size bullying in MMA, and they are arguing if you can make the weight, there is no such thing. Do you agree?" Like, oh, this guy's too big for this weight class. Yeah, I think something along those weight lines. Class. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but there's definitely a difference. I want to make that abundantly, like, when you say Conor McGregor's a 155 pounder, 
he makes 155 pounds, but physically he might be damn. I've seen him once in real life, by the way, riding a Segway in Venice. I'm not joking. It's a true story. And, you know, he's not a small guy, right? But he's not Jake Paul's size. There is a difference. They may step, step on the scale at 170, but when GSP fought BJ Penn, GSP is a lot bigger than BJ Penn. So there is a little bit of that, like, oh, you're too small for this weight class. or da, da. There is a little bit of that, but there is a, there's a difference, guys. Like, just because you step on the scale the same weight does not mean you are the same size at all. At all. Holloway, it's not like, oh, they Holloway Poirier. Holloway, Holloway Poirier. Poirier. Yeah. It's very, very clear who's the 45er and who was the 155. Yes. Oh, we both weighed this. Yeah, so? That's a big boy. Yeah. And there's a, there's a second question here from Gibber Please. Saint. He says, uh, if AJ McKee beats Patricio Pitbull again, who every expert seems to have said uh, as a top pound for pound or at least top five in both 145 and 155, regardless of organization, can AJ McKee become Bellator's version of John Jones despite being a smaller organization overall? Yes. The one champ, they're like, ah, oh, we throw everybody at him. Nobody can beat him. Da, 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 da. The difficulty is John Jones had nowhere to go. He kept beating everybody at, at, at 205 and eventually moved up to heavyweight, kind of out of boredom. He had kind of cleaned out the division. There wasn't anywhere to go. AJ McKee can call Dana White and go, what you, what you going to give me? You know, what you got? He has options that John Jones didn't have. So I'm assuming what Giver Saint means is that dominant champion nobody can seem to look good against or beat. Yes, he can be that guy. But the difference between AJ McKee and John Jones is John Jones couldn't go anywhere. There was no, there was no, there was, there was a ceiling. John Jones was the light heavyweight champion of the UFC. He's not going to go to Bellator. He's not going to go to PFL. AJ McKee can pick up that phone and make a lot of money as a huge free agent somewhere else. John Jones couldn't. So that is a big difference. Appreciate you, Giver Saint. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Serious XM Podcasts.